It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief film critic, joined as always by IndieWire's editor at large, Ann Thompson, out in Los Angeles. And uh, it's one of those funny weeks where we're not talking specifically about some big event going on. There's no film festival happening, and there's no Oscar season conversation going on. And yet, here comes. I guess you could call it the first big tentpole of the summer with Batman versus Superman coming out. And boy, this movie is not what the studio was hoping it would be. Uh, maybe it'll make a lot of money. I'm not an expert on those sort of things. I can tell you that if you're one of those people hoping to spend something significant on going to see a movie this weekend, you might be better off spending it somewhere else. This loud two-and-a-half-hour spectacle just feels so empty, which is why it's so shocking when you look at the details and realize it's supposed to launch a franchise. And, Anne, you really dug into this. Uh, it's just bad news for the studio that, you know, presumably this this movie is supposed to kick off two, two Justice League films in a way that uh, gets people excited about them. And it doesn't you know, seem like it's that. A very interesting, it's a very interesting situation because when they first announced this in, in uh, 2013 at Comic-Con, my initial reaction was so negative and all the fanboys were going nuts, right? They were like so excited, Superman versus Batman. And you could just imagine that everybody thought, what a great idea. So These awesome. two iconic, muscle-bound, you know, the alien... Blue Scout, you know, Blue Boy, you know, Big Blue Boy Scout, uh, the 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 good guy from 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 the comics versus the Dark Knight, you know, and and how they would you know do battle, and of course it makes absolutely no sense because Superman is invincible <laughs> unless well, there's it's kryptonite worth, involved. It's worth pointing out, though. I mean, so there is a precedent for the, for this for these guys fighting in the comics and Frank Miller did a really good job of imagining what it would look like in The Dark Knight Returns which was his 80s comic book series but that one of the great comic yeah, book it's series great. of all time but that's an older way. Batman kind of facing against Superman for very particular well, almost like political from reasons. that they borrowed yeah. that's the that's what Ben Affleck's idea is here and yeah. he is playing the grizzled older and it is good that Ben Affleck is older now because he can sort of he bulked up really dramatically and he's very dark and and uh, and he can do the suave you know Bruce Wayne thing you know what it isn't the actor's fault this is not a question of Jesse Eisenberg being bad for Lex Luthor or Though he is or, pretty bad I, I know <laughs> I, I didn't love him but but he's actually what I was horrified by was the degree to which so many of these people are, are you know if you look at I mean the lack of imagination in doomsday 
the, you know, alien monster that Lex Luthor cooks up, you know, from the remains of General Zod. Right, um, Michael Shannon. Uh, there are many spoilers in the movie that we're not supposed to reveal, yeah. but I don't think Doomsday is, is one of no, them. There's um, not much to spoil there. He's a big So basically Batman, thug. Superman, and Wonder Woman are, are battling uh, this creature and, 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 at a certain point. And, and Wonder Woman steals the show. Gail Gadot. Gal Gadot steals the show, and she's this Israeli military veteran, incredibly beautiful, sophisticated, interesting. She's a she's a woman. She's somebody who you want to know more about, and she is going to have her own Wonder Woman. I actually think we're we're we are going to be happier in theory with with some of these other movies that are coming down the pike because this one is just serving to set them all up. But what they don't do is give you the stakes that you can believe in why they're fighting. I mean, I, I also never felt. Believed it. I mean, I, I agree that the the Wonder Woman character holds some intrigue, but they don't give her that much to do. I mean, it felt no, almost just like tease. copy and pasted into the middle of this mess of a, of a movie where there's no real cohesive storytelling. And, and you're right, there's no sense of, of what are the stakes here. I mean, it, it, the dialogue is literally written in order to set stakes that will set up the stakes for something that could happen next. And yet, you know, I mean, Marvel has fun with these movies. That's why Joss Whedon was the perfect choice to kind of launch the Avengers uh, franchise of sorts. There's a light touch. There's a writerly sensibility. Now, Chris Terrio, who worked on Argo and won an Oscar for it with Ben Affleck, is, was brought in. And there's a you can tell that a writer got involved in all of these questions of what is a hero? What is a, what, you know. Can you kill a guy? Yes, exactly. All that stuff. A, a lot of the poor, a lot of the heavy lifting is in Jesse Eisenberg's mouth, unfortunately for him. Oof. But but the idea, the idea that 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 they're you know they're obviously playing with 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 the Donald Trump you know universe of of being afraid of of powerful people and and you know trying to turn Superman into some kind of alien who who cannot be controlled and why Bruce Wayne would you know they work overtime trying to set this whole thing up and it still doesn't carry no. water it just doesn't but I, there's some beautiful images in the movie sure i, I mean say snyder has some skill in well, that department. this is a guy who's back i mean he's making music videos he's a heavy stylist who yep. doesn't seem to be drawn especially to strong narrative and that's why i really liked his dawn of the dead reboot which wasn't you know, it didn't match the first one for social commentary or other kinds of, you know, thematic elements. But it, it, just in terms of, like, the, the suspense of it, 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 it worked beat by beat. But then, you know, this movie is just, like, one event after another with this, like, kind of presumed gravitas that's not in the material. One of the things that I was thinking about is there, there seems like there's some fundamental miscalculation in investing in these characters to, to kind of be the, the cash cow. I mean, maybe they are going to make a lot of money, but in, just in terms of, for the sake of quality, th these are two, two of the most iconic heroes in the history of popular culture, and yet they've been done to death. That's and, why we're eager to have more, in, you know, more of, of Wonder Woman who hasn't been done in a, you know, for 75 years, she's been a popular comic book superhero, and they've never made a movie of her. Why? 
because she's a girl yeah. and they didn't know how to make her the right balance of strong power. They didn't think she could carry it. What were they thinking? I mean, these comics have been huge. Yeah, it really just feels like there's some kind of disconnect. And it's also this this underlying desire to emulate success from somewhere else rather than trying to figure out something that you already have in your wheelhouse that might be better than that. I and mean, why try to do the Avengers thing? You know, it's it's just not doesn't translate as easily. And the DC characters are darker, and I think in, in that sense it is harder to, ha to create some sense of, like, a, a fun universe to play around in. But, uh, I mean, box office-wise, this movie's tracking but, but pretty the well. the Donner Superman was light. I mean, you get a little taste of that with the Larry Fishburne, Perry White, you know, sending... Um, Lois Lane off and telling her to fly coach or whatever, but that that's like the biggest laugh in the whole movie. Yeah, you know? no, it's it's not funny and it and it's not exciting. I mean, there is a big twist we can't discuss. I signed away my soul not to say it in my review, but everybody's going to be debating it because. One of the things that I think is, is notable, when you do something dramatic that it should not be revealed, it really needs to earn that sense of secrecy. And in this case, the secrecy is there because you're just a jerk for spoiling movies. You tell people what it is, but it doesn't really... It, I, I just wasn't feeling it. I didn't feel like... I mean, it's something that you know is just part of this overall scheme to keep the story in motion. The Which emotional is why A.O. Scott gave it such a scathing review. That was the take <laughs> he had too. I just yeah. think it's funny that we're talking he, about you him. and we're on the same page in terms of just accusing this movie of rank corporate greed. But I basically. think what's what's also notable is that you have like the Devin Ferrassis of the world and that kind of set also distancing themselves from this movie. I mean, of course Tony doesn't like it. Tony wrote a whole friggin' book based around the idea that, that there was something deep and, and profound about our culture when, when uh, Samuel Jackson lashed out on him on Twitter for not liking the Avengers. So he's got, he's already got that on lockdown. Like people can easily say, you know, okay, he's not the kind of audience for this sort of movie. But in reality, it doesn't seem like the audience for this movie wants this movie. Well, part of what I was suggesting in my piece was that, that this has been a problem for Warner Brothers and DC for a really long time. They don't have a Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige at Marvel is the guy. He lives, breathes, sleeps, dreams the Marvel Universe. He knows it, and he's a good producer, and he knows exactly how to marry, in some cases, unexpected uh, directors that you wouldn't have thought of you know, for Guardians of the Galaxy, for example. And, you know, and, and the woman wrote the first screenplay that did out of the Marvel troves, you know, for Guardian of the Galaxy. And she's working on some other things going down the pike that women are going to be involved with. Um, but but the whole idea is is that you don't have that person at Warner Brothers who knows how to make this work. You have a committee, and that's why this movie doesn't play. So there were rumors on fan sites that um, this has sent Warner Brothers into panic mode. They've already, not only have they greenlit two Justice League movies, they're, they're already in production on one of them with Zack Snyder. How much truth do we think there really is to that? Because it, in reality, these movies can still make money even if they're terrible. Well, this movie may not make money because if you look at it and you know how to sort of judge how much a movie costs... First of all, 
it, it's two and a half hours now. One of our stories today from from uh, Bill Desowitz, you know, the editor at this um, Q and A, admitted that he had to kill himself to get it down to two and a half Jeez. hours. There were major characters left on the cutting room floor. They had done elaborate uh, introductions of a lot of the uh, meta humans who are going to turn up, you know, in these other movies that they've got planned, um, and they all ended up in this sort of weird fluky dream thing that, that came flying out of <laughs> Batman's computer, you know, inexplicable, <laughs> completely, un, un, uh, you know, what the hell was that? And there's a lot of stuff like that in there. But anyway, the movie is cost supposedly a big number, $250 million, which make, would make it more than, you know, the supposed over-budget, you know, Brian Singer Superman movie. So this one... Uh, by any measure, if, if it's closer to $300 million, if the marketing costs are $100 million, suppose the cost of the movie is $400 million, which is what everybody's sort of saying, it has to make $800 million worldwide to even break even. <laughs> I mean, I, you know... I, I... I really love there was this documentary about Roger Corman from a few years ago where he was talking about, you know, like he makes kind of silly, fun, entertaining movies. And he's talking about how he just hates how Hollywood spends so much money on kind of trying to create the same level of entertainment value and how irresponsible that is. I mean, it just feels like that money could be used in so many other ways. And well, that's a whole other question. I mean, it is it is Warner Brothers' job to keep up with Disney, and it is their job, you know, to be smart about how to maximize their franchises. It would be foolish to say otherwise. But what the what this the point this begs is if this is the best you can do with every dollar in your arsenal and all your best brains and and creative talent if this is the best you can do then there's something wrong and that's why i think the people over there are white knuckling it and greg silverman should be worried about his job you know it's it's too bad that the the best uh, counter programming opening this weekend is uh, uh my big fat Greek wedding too, and and Tom Hiddleston and I saw the light. Neither of which exactly are lighting the world on fire in terms of buzz. So you know, it's 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 funny that when you look at kind of the big picture here, you know, this is a weird time of year for movies, but like, this, this movie should be kind of taking things over. And even with the competition, you know, being weak, it doesn't seem like it's. Oh no, you know, it's going to open to like a hundred and eighty million dollars which is a record, which beats Hunger Games, the last record number for this weekend. But it, uh, I don't know. I don't think that's it. I think it's the last record number for, for a three-day. But they, that's all manufactured, right? It's all, they pick a certain weekend. Things are manipulated in certain ways. So they, they, we always hear about these records It doesn't records matter. The broken. 180 is good. That's good. What matters is what happens on the second and third weekends. What matters is whether the movie gets to 800. That's... Over the over, and by the way, it's probably going to do great overseas. It's probably going to do fairly well here. It's just a question of it's, it's not easy to get to eight hundred million dollars. So let's get back to that competition, though, because uh, I mean, okay. it's more more of our world on some level to talk about something like I saw the light, and that movie's been around since last fall when it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. It was actually going to come out last fall as part of an award season push for Sony Picture Classics. That didn't happen. Now it's coming out. 
I freely admit I haven't seen it. It became less and less of a priority, but you went through the ordeal and you can tell us whether or not it's worthy of the counter-programming slot to Batman versus Superman. I was, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to see High Rise and I saw the light at Toronto was because they star Tom Hiddleston, who is one of my favorite actors working today. I mean, he's, he's, he's fabulous. I was just like watching, I was watching the Avengers uh, the other night, you know, you know, because he was in it. I was, I was just, I love Loki. I, I, I love a lot of the things that he's done, including Crimson Peak, for example. But this and in this movie, he's really good too. Uh, I, I was a little astonished that he was actually this British, you know, thespian was actually going to take on Hank Williams, the country crooner. Uh, and he does a beautiful job. He does his own singing. He, he's incredibly the body language is all accurate. He comes off as if he's, you know, a, a bona fide country American. But the movie itself is terrible. I mean, it's just awful. <laughs> <laughs> One of these totally straightforward, 100% ordinary, you know, story we've seen 50 million times of, of the, you know, rags to riches, you know, overtired, you know, running through women, running through alcohol, you know, the, the whole scenario, uh, killing yourself, you know, to stay ahead. And uh, it, I just, it's just too bad that they couldn't, I mean, the trick with biopics today, because so many of them are so similar, is you have to figure out another way to do it. And I was sort of, so Sony pushed it back and took it out of the awards uh, race, and, and they're opening it now, along with uh, with the Don Cheadle movie about Miles Davis, which um, also didn't sort of set the, the world on fire when it debuted at... Uh, at the New York Film Festival. Is another way of putting that that they are dumping it right now? That it's, That's, it's not a, I, I, I would say that they, that they would argue that they're supporting it in a friendlier, easier, uh, less unforgiving time frame. I would think it, you know, you cannot get away with going out in the crowded awards corridor with something that isn't fantastic. There's no point. There's no point because you have to spend more. They're, they're saving money. By doing it now, it won't. They don't have to spend as much, and if there's less action at the box office, maybe they'll get some people to come and check it out. The critics aren't going to be kind, <laughs> and the critics are not, you know, going to be kind to the Don Cheadle either. But I think the Don Cheadle, which you know, we can dig deeper into that next week. At least there's a little bit more kind of. Uh, intrigue around the reactions to that movie because some people really like it or at least are more responsive to to what's happening creatively there and I haven't heard anybody. Well, at least he's taking a stab at something different and interesting and even if it were, you can argue whether it works or not, but he's great in it. I liked it. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't all work. It's an entertaining watch. It's not like you, it's not like you're bored or, or you're, or you're not, you're also not rejecting it out of hand because it's so bad it's just a question of whether you think it it really works or not but at least he's taking some chances well also i mean and it's his first movie as a director there, there's something about just the ambitiousness of of any kind of filmmaker that i think is worth singling out if at least you can tell that they're trying to do something different and you know you mentioned high rise 
as the other Tom Hiddleston movie. That that's actually in the screen of the upcoming Tribeca Film Festival too. I can't wait to see how different kinds of audiences react to that one. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you didn't love it. I kind of liked oh, how chaotic it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just not. There's a certain kind of movie that is a comedy that is showing lots of people in chaotic mode misbehaving. I think I think the uh the other movie that I that I feel the same way about is the um the one that uh opened um oh god I'm being so bad. Uh I got distracted by somebody walking by my office. Um You the, work in an office now. Everybody should oh, be very excited I, I, about that. <laughs> I, no, no, uh all right. What was the all right? So the the I'm trying to focus. Well, well the thing uh, is, it's funny you're talking about High Rise, which is a movie that's all over the place and very unfocused. But I I oh, really think it's worth demolition is the one I was trying to think about. There's some there's something where everybody's destroying property and everybody's, <laughs> you know, fighting and everybody's. It's supposed to be funny and everybody's doing this sort of high style comedy thing, and it's not funny. But I I think the difference is, and the reason why I want to get on this a little bit deeper is, is because, you know, High Rides is a very accomplished movie from a technical perspective, and it's got a great central performance from Tom Hiddleston because he's sort of the lens through which we're trying to understand this madness and eventually just becomes consumed by it. And so I, I think there is, like, a logical through line that holds it's that It's also together. very sexy in it, by the way, which, which is not an inconsiderable thing when it's Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> right. Right, so that at least you got that out of it. A little. There, there's some there's some nudity. Hey, come on. So going back to the counter-programming thing, the counter-programming to I Saw the Light this weekend is actually this Chet Baker film, Born to be Blue, which stars Ethan Hawke. So really interesting that on the same weekend you have two musician biopics, uh, and this one is, is, is very different, obviously, from the style in which it's made to you know, the period in which it takes place and so forth. But uh, oh, I love Born to be Blue. Born to be Blue is really good. And again, it's the performance of, of Ethan Hawke that makes it work. But also, again, as a biopic, they picked a particular period of time, which happens to fit Ethan Hawke's 40-ish age range. And it's, it's this moment in time where Chet Baker, who is a legendary heroin addict and trumpet player and crooner, who actually was very functional as far as his music was concerned when he was on heroin. I mean, whether he could keep his life in, in, in balance was another matter. Uh, there's one scene in this movie where they, some people who were mad at him for not paying up for his drugs, you know, knock his teeth out, literally, you know, and, and poor, poor Chet Baker has to learn how to play the trumpet again, you know, with, with, with chompers, you know, it, it's, I, 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 I was, I love this movie and Hawk pulls it off and sings again. He pulls off the, the singing and, and of course, pretending to play the, the, the trumpet, but um, there, this, this, they have a flashback to a movie that never got made in real life, but was, was supposed to get made. But they used that movie that was that was curtailed in this fiction fictional universe as as the sort of flashbacks to the past in black and white, and it works really well. And these are these are good ideas. These are good ways to to make a a. And it's also a love story. It's it's about his relationship 
with a woman, wonderful woman played by uh, Carmen Ojego, who's who who was so good in Selma. So it's it's very good. Well, that's it's really interesting to hear how enthusiastic you are about this movie because it's not like it's had the hugest visibility over the past few weeks and buzz isn't you know through the roof. I mean, it's a it seems like people are respectful of it, but do you see? this movie having legs throughout the year? Is it, is it up kind of quietly sneaking into the awards race ahead of schedule? I or? actually think that Ethan Hawke gives a good enough performance. I mean, I don't, I don't want to put it that way. I want to say he gives such a great performance that he should be in, in contention. Um, the question there is whether it opens, gets good reviews, does well at the box office. I would think art house audiences would flock to this, but you're right. It feels... It feels IFC small, if I may be so bold. <laughs> I'm sure they'd love to hear that. <laughs> I know. But it's, a, it's, a, it's worth singling out. I mean, it's sort of when these movies creep into the conversation, that's sort of these are the kind of people who are in the best possible situation kind of good at creeping movies into the conversation because word of mouth can be really strong and maybe it'll you know find its way into different cities over the next few weeks and, and build up more buzz and so forth and hey maybe even i'll get a chance to see it eventually but you know the part of the problem is that once something already opens i'm already looking ahead to other things in this case i'm already digging into the uh can lineup and we ran this big story today with 44 movies we think are going to make the cut and what's really interesting to me about it is is that um you know it shows you, like, okay, so maybe not all of these movies are going to get there, but there is. Yeah, a... you you want, you have such you have a boner for the Howard Hughes <laughs> Warren Beatty movie. There's no way that's going to be ready. But there is a possibility that we might see this movie at some point this year. It could be. It's been in. It's been talked about in to the extent that one would assume it's nearing some form of completion or at least being pushed by people Where to be Warren Beatty is concerned, he'll take the time, you know, he will fuss and fidget and, 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 and just to prove me wrong, he'll, 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 he'll go to Cannes. <laughs> but, you know, Martin Scorsese, he, he's going to take the time he needs to do the science. Well, first of all, let know. me be clear. When, I, when you say I have a, <laughs> a boner for that movie, I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be good. I, I, I like the mystery around it, and I like the idea that something like that could happen because with Ken, everything's down to the wire, right? And they're they're super selective, and they got to see everything, but they nobody knows anything really until the very very last minute for a lot of these movies. What so, we do know is that they they are desperate to get movie stars to go up the red carpet, which is how you get these movies that maybe sometimes turn out okay and sometimes they don't. Like heels I'm optimistic. Or no heels. Yeah. <laughs> I am so optimistic about something like, you know, the Charlize Theron Sean Penn movie, you know, with Javier Bardem. Uh, I could, I really hope that that turns out. I mean, I think when Sean Penn directs a movie, you know, it's going to be pretty good. You know, he has a great track record, and it's been nine years since Into the Wild. I didn't realize that, you know. It makes me feel old. Yeah, and that, but that's a good movie, and, and uh, did, you know, it, got, it did pretty well in terms of the level of respect it got and so forth. And, you know, it's just, it's been a long time, so hopefully, uh, you know, they, it, he can deliver in that respect. But obviously, Sean Penn is a can regular, so a movie like that would seem to be a lock, either in competition or not in competition, 
you know, irrespective of all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you have stuff like Jodie Foster's Money Monster, that seems like a lock. Or Spielberg's BFG might be opening night film, these big studio movies. Or the Woody Allen, you know. The Woody Allen's be, Cafe Society. Yeah. I mean, the, these things are, are very clearly in the lineup. But what, I'm, what it's really exciting to me is then you start digging deeper and it's like, oh, yeah, that one filmmaker who made a movie that, kind of took off at Cam five years ago. He's got another movie. Maybe that'll be the big movie we're talking about in another month and a half. I mean, it's just... You know, I was sort of skeptical, like, why there would be a, Sha- a Shane Black movie in, in, in Cannes, and then I looked it up, and, you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, his debut, was there out of competition. And and this the nice guys with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, I looked at the trailer, it's hilarious. So, whatever. You, you know? never know. Yeah, you know, it's I mean, it's the thing where it's like, Cannes can see pretty much anything... And if something turns out pretty well, they might they might see the merit in that. And you got to give Thierry Fermo credit for that on some level. It's almost like being a critic, and that they really have to make certain quality judgments, even if some bad stuff gets there too. That something might surprise them as actually being better than you expected, and and that's always nice. But I mean, I'm I'm also curious about Jeff Nichols' loving. I mean, as he's having I can't a great wait year. To see that. He did so well with Midnight Special that we're ready for another one. And I'm really excited about Pedro Almodovar's Julieta. And Paul Verhoeven working with Paul Isabella Rossellino and Al. Yeah. yeah, his yep. first and film. And Pablo Lorraine comes back with Neruda. Very cool. That could be awesome. Yeah, Gal Garcia Bernal. This is. Um, communist poet in the 40s who's sort of on the lamb from the government. I mean, there's just, there's so much variety that winds up in a lineup like that. And even in a, even in a, what people might call a not great year, it's still, in, as far as I'm concerned, the best showcase for cinema on the planet. I'm, I'm just, I'm just so excited to dig deeper into that. And yet, here we are, you know. We get so excited <laughs> because this is what we live for. We yeah. live for Park Chan-wook movies, you know, and and the Darden brothers, and maybe Terrence Malick shows up with his right. documentary Voyage of it's Time. It's funny. After all. He's another one who takes his time in the editing room. To go from talking about Batman versus Superman to this, I mean, it really shows you the, the kind of contrast between the priorities and and the nature of the filmmaking process in the studio system and how the rest of the world operates and what we tend to respond to and just how how separate those things are. I mean, it's almost like two separate media, you know. I know, I know. Well, this is what we live for. Andrea Arnold, she could be one of the women in the main competition yeah. with American. Hopefully, Hunt. not the only one because can certainly be. been that through it that ordeal be. before. So the one I don't other... trust them one bit. <laughs> and, then, and they don't trust you either, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they tend to put the women in a certain regard or in, in director's fortnight, and it feels, it feels like they just make these judgments about, you know, what is, I think it's a lot to do with the power behind the movies, you know? It, it's like, it's like who's representing them and who's pushing for, for that competition slot, and they're going to favor their own... French directors like Olivier Assayas, you know, with Personal Shopper, with Kristen Stewart. Looks Can't like there wait might for be that, two though. of those that Kristen great. Stewart movies. I mean, but they, they'll favor those movies. Let them favor those movies. That movie looks really good. 50% of the world is women, and there should be more than one out of 22 
or however many it turns out to be competition titles that's a woman i'm sorry there's got there are more world class women filmmakers out there who have films in, that are submitted to can no i you know? i fully i fully agree i think that there may be a broader systematic failure with the with whether or not these movies are being noticed and i mean you know it's not just blind submissions i mean people have certain sales agents and and different kinds of oh, pressures that's are what applied they to but that's why Thierry should you know he should he should he should he should, he should do what the academy is doing and and try to 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 pay pay attention you know and 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 really look at it you know that's i I ran, I ran into to our pal Ira Deutschman who wrote a great piece for you on uh, on the academy's diversity issue the other night at new directors new films and he was pointing out that you know the a lot of studios like a lot of corporations have whole departments based around diversity searches so it's not like people aren't trying it's like there's some kind of overarching disconnect that is well not i actually spoke to, to um a couple of studio heads at the governor's awards about this and they were very aware that there were these lists of women directors that they should be considering i would actually say on the studio side in terms of when they feel comfortable putting a woman in charge of a big budget movie how many women have the experience and the ability and the commercial chops and the uh, action chops and the VFX chops. I mean, there are a lot of things that go into that, and I'm actually aware of that. It's in, but in the arena of art films all over the world in other countries that are actually more friendly in many cases to, to women directors where there are a higher percentage of them than there are here, I don't see why Terry Fremo can't find five or six slots for for women filmmakers and if if and that's still a small percentage of the number well let's not beat him up too much yet maybe he's listening in and 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 will actually you know react there's still time there's still time and and next week we'll be inching ever so closer to their announcement but even closer to the Tribeca Films Festival so we have tons of stuff to talk through before we get back to Cannes and I'm going to let you go because you got a million different things on your plate I just want to dash into the weekend we'll regroup soon enjoy your third screening of Batman vs. Superman I'm sure it'll be a fun one Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.